0: Welcome to kite Line, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in the prison system and beyond.
1: Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand-to-hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on kite Line, we hope to share these words across the prison walls.
0: Before starting with this week's theme, we wanted to share some prison-related news and announcements. We received a message regarding Shaka Shakur, whose story we've covered in previous episodes of Kite Line. The message says, quote, Urgent action alert! Stop prison officials from blocking Shaka Shakur's access to educational and vocational services. Shaka Shakur is a politically active, incarcerated, new African who was transferred on December 18, 2018 from the Indiana Department of Corrections, IDOC, to the Virginia Department of Corrections, VADOC, as part of a campaign by prison officials to neutralize his activism. This transfer was done in violation of his due process rights as a prisoner. He is currently incarcerated at the Sussex 1 State Prison in Waverly, Virginia. His VA DOC number is 135647. Since being held there, his right to access educational and vocational programs has been violated. Below is a summary of these violations in Shako's own words. Quote, 1. I was moved out of the state of Indiana against my will in violation of Indiana Code and due process. I was never afforded any form of hearing where I was informed why I was being shipped out of state, nor allowed to present evidence challenging the decision to move me. 2. Upon my arrival to the prison system in Virginia, I was never given any form of orientation. I've never been informed as to what my rights are, nor informed on how I can go about challenging any decision made by the state of Virginia. I've only been informed that the state of Virginia has custody of my body and that all decisions pertaining to my classification, security level, and placement was being determined and controlled by the state of Indiana and its Department of Corrections, IDOC. Three, there is supposed to be an IDOC liaison that oversees my placement in Virginia and communicates with an official in the Virginia Department of Corrections, VADOC, named Ms. Collins. She has refused to respond to any and all efforts to contact her by myself or any outside sources. Any questions I've had pertaining to video visits, security level, placement, and classification have gone unanswered except for being told that it is up to Indiana. 4. Per Indiana Code, I'm supposed to be afforded the same rights and privileges as if I was still in Indiana. That includes jobs, programming, religious services, etc. To deny me is a constitutional violation and discrimination. In fact, it denies me equal protection under the law. I'm not being allowed to find a job outside of the housing unit. I'm being told that I'm not going to be allowed to drop my security level, even though my points will drop as low as 10 points in Virginia and less than 15 in Indiana, both of which would qualify me for a level three security level placement. Five, the counselor Ponce falsified my classification review slash progress report by lying and saying that I had assaulted a staff member within the last 12 months. This was in order to justify my continued placement at a level 4-5 prison. When this was brought to her attention, she pretended that she had corrected it and instead further falsified the report and then blamed it on Indiana. I have copies of these documents and my lawyer has the originals. Unquote. The message continues. They say, Furthermore, the doctors at Sussex One have not been provided with Shaka's medical records past 2014. Shaka experiences nerve and other issues due to a degenerative disc on which he's been operated. Without these records, he cannot be provided with the necessary care for his chronic condition. There is no appeals process available to Shaka or any out-of-state inmate. Indiana Code establishes the sender state, Indiana, as having unchallenged authority in cases of interstate transfer. Having access to only internal grievance procedures in Virginia, Shaka is unable to appeal decisions made in Indiana. You can hear about Shaka's long history of activism and rebellious activity in Indiana in our previous KiteLine episodes. As Shaka stated quote, how am I supposed to work my way back to Indiana if I'm not being allowed to participate in anything positive or constructive, unquote. And now we hear a statement by Kalfani Malik Kaldun recorded from the inside prior to his 50th birthday. Here he is.
2: Hello. This is uh, Brother Kalfani Malik Kaldun calling in from Waldox Valley Correctional Facility. Uh... This is a message that I want to send out to the people in regards to my 50th birthday. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, most merciful, all power to the people. I entered the Indiana Department of Corrections at the age of 17 in 1987. This year, on November the 30th, 2019, I will reach a major milestone in my life. Allah has blessed me to live, to see 50 years of my life on this earth. 33 of those years have been spent confined against my will inside the Indiana Department of Corrections. My transformation has led me down many roads where I have grown up, educated myself, Become a man and grown up, educated myself, involved with political activism inside and out of these modern day slave plantations. Inside these walls, I became a Sunni Muslim, embraced revolutionary politics. I have learned more about myself than I would have found out living in society at large. I have been blessed to have had and not a lot of good and loyal people while on this journey who over the past 20 years or so have loved me and supported me through many struggles. They believing in me as my supporters, they became my family, my friends, and eventually turned into an extended family. I would like to give a salutation out to Peter Hudis, Anthony Raven, Conrad Nick, Twitch, and also Conrad Annabelle Parker, Noel Henrahan, and a host of others. I love you for your unending and unconditional support and love. With your help, I have managed to keep my case and struggle alive in the public's eye. You never giving it up on me and reclaiming my freedom. In the past 33 years, being held hostage against my will has impacted and saved my life forever. I have lost multiple immediate family members, my grandmother, then my father, then my two brothers, as well as my mother in 1987. Then two sisters and my only son, Prince Dion in 2014. Being inside these plantation walls, I have never been able to officially grieve those losses. After the pain of each loss, I became more determined to push on forward toward my freedom. So I have relented and have never given up on obtaining my freedom. The 20 years spent in solitary confinement gave me the time to prepare and cope with the pain and heartache I would be forced to endure. My struggle is real, and so is my growth and development. Being a political prisoner inside the walls of the Indiana Department of Corrections is a serious responsibility, one that entails honesty, integrity, leadership, love for humanity, and the oppressed people at large. Also, educating and showing people the way. Once we become conscious, there is no such thing as becoming unconscious. Anything other than that is an act of treachery. Turning 50 is good for me for many reasons, primarily because had I still been in the streets, I probably would have never made it this far. Now I stand for what is right and believe in the organizations we all represent. I send a clip fist Raise high in salutation of Yuhu Sasa, which means freedom now to all of our comrades behind these plantation walls. Keep fighting for your freedom to our old and new comrades here in the state of Indiana and abroad. I send my love, my commitment and continued solidarity as we move closer to 2020. Always remember, I am alive and well right now future your belief in me and continue support in multiple ways you've shown me. You have had my back through thick and thin, and we've grown up and grown old together, (laughs) and that's what family is all about. For all of you who say you love me and embrace my struggle and have shown it in multiple ways, I send my undying love and a whole lot of hugs and thank yous because y'all have gotten me through some terrible moments in my life. But we we have strived forward, and we've struggled together, and we've made it through a lot of uh, gloomy and oppressed moments. We stand together, and we continue to fight. If any one of you would like to continue to support me and, and financially so that I can continue to survive, you can do so by sending money to my account by calling 888-988-4768. This must be done through credit card. Whatever you can give to me, please do so. And I would appreciate it. If you want to set up a GTL account, you can do so at www.connectnetwork.com. Whereas we can talk or text or send emails to one another. I would also like to encourage the families and friends that continue to to support us and who have loved ones behind these walls about this GTL situation. Uh, None of us agrees with families uh, of our comrades and loved ones being exploited. So we oppose the exorbitant prices that they have uh, forced us to adhere to by participating in this GTL account. So I, I I ask and call on you to, to deal with our comrades Nick and IDOC Watch and all the other abolitionist organizations that are springing forth here in Indiana to oppose and expose the exploitation and the capitalism that has taken place with the the, the music streaming so the way that they got the music streaming set up has to be attacked because the moment we cut the cut the uh, the tablet off. We're still being charged. When, when it's shut off, that's when our is supposed to stop. So we should use whatever necessary means we have to organize, to expose this in an attempt to cause them to shut the machine off when we're not using it. Because this is the best way for us to save our minutes as well as our money. You know, anybody that's against capitalism and prisoners and families being exploited. I ask y'all to stand with us in solidarity and join IDLC Watch and the rest of our organizations that are moving forward to assist prisoners and to ensure that our brothers come home. I I extend my love again to all of y'all in any kind of way you want to, you can send send me some type of love up in here, you know, if that's what you want to do. And I'm glad that God allowed me to uh, see 50 years and uh, I hope that I can see 50 more. But I'm I'm I'm, I'm committed to the struggle. I'm going to continue to fight for my freedom. I am going to continue to stay healthy, and network, and build solidarity organizations and, and campaigns for the freedom of our comrades who are behind these plantation walls that don't have the support. Thank you for your time, your money, and your assistance that you have continued to give me. Power to the people, I love y'all, and y'all can reach out to me when y'all want to. Peace.
0: And finally this week, we hear from a Florida organizer, Karen Smith, who walks us through some of the organizing efforts in her area over the past few years. She also speaks to how these local efforts relate to the national movements and her thoughts on what to expect in prison abolition for 2020. Here she is.
1: I'm Karen Smith, I am with Gainesville, I Walk. I have been doing abolition work for about 20 years when my son's father um, caught a 12- year sentence in the Florida Department of Corrections. He served all 12 years and committed suicide within a, a year of getting out, um, which is what got me into this game. but um, you know, that was in 2012. and um, I've kind of gone from like prisoner support to full-on like abolition direct action work. So with IWOC, which is a national um, crew um, within the Industrial Works of the World Union, we organize specifically with incarcerated folks. Um, We work on a union labor model. So we build membership inside and out so that we can harness the power that we have as um, people on the outside and as um, people on the inside who are complicit in the running of the system. Um, if we can get enough numbers and organize around um, an action, we can really like shut down and interrupt business as usual for the prison industrial complex. So what that looks like here in Florida, we in 2016 was the first. I don't want to say first because there are tons of acts of resistance in prison every single day, um, but 2016 was the first national prison strike in this. Era of prison resistance of this current movement that is growing. So, in Florida, there was tons of um, participation, um, namely at Holmes Correctional Institution. People inside did tons of damage, refused to work. Um, we unfortunately weren't able to get report backs from that, and for it took a couple of months, which is the case with almost every strike we have inside because of the level of retaliation censorship. Um, it takes a long time, even if we have established communication with people, that goes away on the first day of the strike. So we're really in the dark to hear about, um, you know, what, ha- what happened. But um, we do get the report back so we can build on them and what worked and what didn't and move forward, such as out of 2016 grew Operation Push, where a group of Haitian revolutionaries currently incarcerated here in enemy slave camps Um, got together, reached out to IWALK because we had been establishing ourselves in the state and asked for our support in a statewide strike that they called for on MLK Day in 2017. What that looked like was a boycott of commissary, a boycott of any services that benefit off the exploitation of incarcerated people and their families such as video visitation, um, phone calls, and a refusal to work and participate in the general general running of the prison. So that is our model and our strategy is that um, people inside make the prisons run. People outside pay for the prisons. Um, if we can get on the same page and you know harness that collective action, we can you know shut down. So Operation Push gained international media attention. It really blew up and it it really laid the foundation for building towards the 2018 strike, which. Um, you know, walk was an outside ally and support group for. Here in Florida, we had managed to build, you know, some strong relationships with people inside under um, FTP work, or fight toxic prisons work, I should say, and walk, And so we were much more prepared in 2018. Here in Gainesville, we set up an Occupy uh, Solidarity Camp outside of our local prison, the Gainesville Work Camp. And we spent the duration of the strike, you know, there with our comrades inside, again, hard to gauge the level of participation on the inside but in the coming weeks after the strike mail started um, flooding in with reports of you know a single person holding it down to whole dorms to you know whole facilities Um, there was a 100 person sit down at hamilton correctional um, up near the panhandle and um, in the wake of that strike and the Occupy Camp, which really, you know, we doubled. I walk, it, it seems like every national action we have, we double in size. So we're really poised for um, 2020. Jailhouse Lawyer Speak has sent out a call for a national action in 2020. So we'll be building towards that. Partnerships that we're really focused on right now are the Black Panther Party. Um, this weekend at the Convergence, we were able to get together with Chairman Shaka Zulu and our local group, the Dream Defenders from out of Florida. I think these three different approaches to organizing together are going to be like what it takes down here. Um, and we're really excited about uh, building towards 2020 with um, you know the lessons that we've learned from the previous few years and the support network that has just exponentially grown since we started organizing. As far as like our abolition work goes, there's so many different components to it. One is inside organizing. Um, One is building alternatives in the community that circumvent the state. So we no longer have to turn to them when we have conflicts or whatnot. So we do a ton of mutual aid, which actually the Occupy Camp started as a resistance camp and ended up as like a center of mutual aid. It was really, Amazing because we didn't plan that or even see it coming, but that's just the natural state of our human condition. And when you put yourself in proximity to people who are directly affected, I mean, it's just an opportunity to come together and meet each other's needs. You know, so here in Gainesville, you know, they stick prisons out in the middle of nowhere in rural areas. People, it's very easy for people to be complicit in this system because they don't have to see it. But um, where we do interface with prisoners here in our community are they're brought into work for free. Florida is one of five states that does not pay their prisoners anything for their labor unless you work for the state-owned corporation called Pride, in which you can hope to make upwards of $24 a month for a 40-hour workweek. Um, that's the absolute most you can make. So um, we have been building community education and pressuring our local governments and representatives to cut their ties with the Department of Corrections because it's groundbreaking. I mean, in the South, this is the first time a government entity rejected slavery. The symbolic nature of that alone, you know, speaks volumes about what it's going to take to get out of this mess. Like the fact that our community has cut its ties with the Department of Corrections, we're hoping to spread that model throughout the state just to not only cut another incentive to enslave people, but to bring light to the fact that they're taking people out of communities, incarcerating them and then bringing back into these communities to work for free. Um, In the wake of cutting those contracts, we were able to create real jobs, um, jobs that people have the right to organize, um, the right to benefits, um, fair wages. Our plan and hope is to continue to pressure the hiring, our county hiring systems to prioritize formerly incarcerated people for those jobs. and that will complete the circle, you know. Um, it costs roughly the, the same amount to send a person to the University of Florida, which is right across the street from us, as it does to incarcerate them for a year in the state of Florida. So um, we have our university is our next focus. They have an endowment, which is blindly invested in tons of toxic and one of them being um, prisons. Not only are they invested in private prisons, but they also, their IFAS Agricultural Department, Supports prison slavery by holding contracts with the Department of Corrections and having those prisoners work their fields. So, as they develop like agricultural whatever, I'm not versed in that. Um, You know, down here we grow oranges, we grow tomatoes, and we grow hops for beer. Recently, our Tampa I Walk chapter was able to reach out to local breweries and let them know their hops were being grown by prisoners, and they, you know, cut their ties immediately. So, we're trying to put pressure on the people who still have actual contractual ties to the Department of Corrections and all those spaces that their slavery interfaces with our world and our um, you know, systems. So as far as next targets, so our county and our city both cut their contracts. Now, that doesn't mean next year that commissioner can't re-up those contracts. So we're going to be working on um, an ordinance that bans slavery in our um, community. Um, so they won't be able to bring those contracts back. Also the Department of Transportation uses slave labor and because they don't, their jurisdiction is for state roads which run through our county and our city, they can still bring prisoners to work on those roads. Which, so we see that still every day in our community. So those are our next targets. Another aspect of this work which aligns with our allies' struggles would be the farm workers down here. You know, those job, their, jobs that they leave their homes for to come and work and send resources back to their families. Um, are being taken and filled by prison slave labor. So we work with the Coalition of Immokalee Farm Workers a lot because our struggles are aligned, you know, so deeply in the way that the state will, you know, label you either illegal if you're dealing with immigration issues or a criminal if you're dealing with poverty issues. You know, once you're slapped with those labels, and society tends to not care what happens to you after that, and it opens the gate for so many human right abuses that we see. Kevin Rashid Johnson, who is a very close ally of ours. Who has had the displeasure of serving time in um, enemy slave camps all around the country? His testimony, uh, Florida's the worst. It's absolutely the worst. I mean, we have literal KKK members working as prison guards, and they're open about it. It's um, so we're you know we've got a long, hard fight against us, but we're I think we're poised to accomplish our goals like more than ever. This movement is really taken off down here, and um, our hope is to get together with our other, you know, southern states and kind of focus on like a regional campaign for the states that still pay nothing. Not because any state should be using slave labor, but because it's an economic argument that is effective. And so that's where we're starting. Outside support, legal defense um, for retaliation, you know, making sure that We have those bases covered so that the people who are really risking their lives, I mean, their lives are risked every day just by being inside um, Florida prisons, but um, we want to make sure that we can meet their needs. And what that looks like is building supplies and stashing them, literally, and in like a... as far as like building support, um, so that when they are retaliated against, we can organize phones apps, we can organize letter writing campaigns, we can physically go to the places and be present. So yeah, we'll just be building tactics, strategies, Um, you know, events like this weekend, where we can hear from our comrades across the country about lessons learned and what has worked and what hasn't. Um, We take our direction from inside. So, you know, we, stay tuned into Free Alabama Movement, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, um, and so that we can build our campaigns according you know, to their demands. We have 10 clear demands that have been um, written by prisoners across the country working together and we'll be pushing those demands. Um, they haven't changed, they haven't been met. There have been some small concessions regionally around the country. For instance, here in Florida in the wake of our last strike, um, they they dropped the price of ramen 10 cents because prisoners pay seven times what we pay for ramen and that is the one example that seemed to really kind of take off in the media so the state responded with lowering the price by 10 cents um, also similar tactics um, when in the wake of Operation Push like weeks later the state released an announcement that they were going to write new policy that would cut physical contact visitation in half for the state of Florida so um we were able to quickly pull together um, family of incarcerated people and went up to Tallahassee and were able to you know, stop that dead in its tracks. And when the state makes moves like that, that are so obviously wrong and harmful that directly affect impacted people, it kind of like, it helps us out because we, hundreds of family members came and want to get involved and showed up and turn out, which is so hard you know to make happen especially in a state that it takes hours to you know to cross so the state's decision to try to cut another layer of communication between inside and outside resulted in just you know people leaving their homes getting involved in really you know outrage so you know it worked it worked for us and we were able to defeat it and you know our coalition grew I mean the family members who came to our action in Tallahassee developed their own organization, which is now, you know, they're reformists and they're focused on legislation, but they exist, they're talking about this, and they're working together in a way that didn't exist the year before. And that's a direct result of our action, um, an IWAC action that we had in Tallahassee. So those are the kind of um, relationships and support bases that we're building. And um, I'm really happy with the progress that we've made. Obviously there's a lot of shit to do, but um, I think, like I said, I think we're in a position to, you know, to take on this work. Each year, you know, more than we are the year before. So I would say find an I walk near you, start an I walk near you. I mean, it's easy. It's a uh, check out incarceratedworkers.org, our national website. And you really get an idea of what our movement looks like. Um, if you're in Florida, we have Jacksonville, Tampa and Gainesville chapters, really hoping something will pop up in Miami. Um, we have chapters in Kansas City, Chicago, New York, Atlanta, Baltimore, San Francisco, San Diego connect with. Folks that are doing this work, if it's not affecting you directly, it will be soon. And honestly, if you sit, if any human sits down and thinks about their connection to the prison industrial complex, you will realize that it is affecting you now, currently. And you know, we have uh, strength in numbers. It's the only way we've ever won, and that's what we're building. So I would say get involved. Um, if you're in Gainesville, second and fourth Tuesday, 6 p.m. at the Civic Media Center.
0: This has been Kite Line. You can hear previous episodes of our show at wfhb.org forward slash KiteLine. Feel free to write us at KiteLine at wfhb.org. You can follow KiteLine Radio on all social media platforms. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. KiteLine, WFHB, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions expressed on the show. Please join us every Friday for more stories, news, and insights about the impact of prison on our community. Thank you for listening.